What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success In and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares and set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys that was in Leavenworth with and others who survived their own nightmare. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that'll help you knock down some of the prisons you built up in your own mind. Folks, today I've got Randall McCoy with me here, and we're just talking about he is in New Mexico, which I did not know that. I always thought you were from Texas. No, sir. No, Texas. Uh-uh. No, great, the great state of New Mexico, Hives, New Mexico. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, being at Leavenworth, you're a long ways from home. Yes, sir. You know, and there's supposed to be like a, what is it, 500 miles? Is You can't be any further than 500 miles of what the BOP tells you. That's That's got to be further than 500 miles, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then you find out you really don't have any rights when they tell you you got those rights, and they just take you and put you wherever, all over the place. They definitely will. So, Randall, tell me a little bit about uh, Randall growing up. Where, where Were you always in New Mexico? Yes, sir. I was born and raised in Hobbs, New Mexico. Um, mom, dad, si- mom, dad, but siblings. Mom, yeah, I got. I was born and raised in Hobbs, New Mexico. I got uh, four sisters. Wow. Uh, two brothers. Okay. Um, one brother, one sister on my mom from my mom, and then three sisters and a brother from my dad. It's a big family. Um, yeah. Um, I grew up with a stepdad. Yeah. No, I grew yeah. up with a stepdad. Never knew my dad. Uh, I knew of him. Never really met him a couple times. So, but, um, so Randall, tell me about that. So you you knew of your dad. And you knew that was he around like in the same state or was he so far out that you never even there was no contact whatsoever and that was just a, a guy that you knew was your dad? Oh, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> if it wasn't for my uncle Robert the one to live up the street and his ex wife now, which my sisters and brothers buy. Yeah. Uh, and my mom telling me about him, I probably want to know. I'm, I've seen him a couple of times, but that's about it, you know. That's about it. Uh, now his ex-wife, they used to come down before he divorced his wife. They used to come down every, almost every summer because her mom and dad was from here. Okay. And she would bring my sisters and brother over to see me, but he wouldn't come. Wow. Well, tell me. So you get. So you've got this big family. Uh, you've got a you've got a stepdad. How did, how was your relationship with that whole unit? Stepdad, that's kids. My dad. That's my dad. That's your my dad. Stepdad, that's my dad. Yeah. All right, cool. That's my dad. Uh, he was an amazing man. He uh, taught me a lot of stuff. Taught me how to work on cars. Taught me how to be a man. Everything. That's very. Some cool. days he would, some days he would get off of work after working long hours. And come in the backyard and play basketball with me and my sister and my brother. I love that. So yeah. he, he just stepped right in, stepped right into that role. Right on there. Stepped right on in. Role model, mentor, guy that helped you get through life. That's cool. So all those kids around, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't boring growing up. Sisters and brothers. Well, no. and- 
Well, no, it was just me. Uh, it was I stayed with my mom. So it was just me, my older brother, and my older sister. Okay, so there was three but of you cousin, that lived yeah, together. Yeah, but like I said, um, on the summer on the summer side, my little brother and sister would come for like a week or so. Yeah. So yeah. Do you do you stay in touch with all of them now? Yeah. Yeah. Are they are they mostly around that area or are they all over? They all in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oklahoma. So growing up, did you play sports? Yes, sir. What'd you like? I played basketball, football, ran track, but I really my passion was track. Really? And football. What'd you, what'd yeah. you do in track? Uh, 100, 200, and 400. Ah, the fast man. Yes. Yeah. I think the 400 is the hardest race. I, I ran some track when, um, when I was younger and I always thought that that 400 was the hardest cause you were sprinting the whole time on that whole lap. Well, the, the, the key to that is sprint, but save your power for that last hundred. Yep. Yeah. You had to have the kick. You gotta have that kick. And what'd you do in football? You had to be fast. Uh, so you, was, you probably you were in a skill position. Yeah, I was wide receiver and cornerback, but I was I was a small kid. I was one probably in school. I was probably like one ten soaking wet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That no no wonder you were so fast. I couldn't catch you. <laughs> like trying to catch a fly. So. uh was your team any good in high school? Uh, our football team down. Our, our football team down here. No, no. New Mexico is a basketball state. We're known for basketball, not football. All right. Did you have a pretty good basketball team? Oh, uh, okay. I didn't really play basketball in high school. Yeah, I did in junior high. We had a good team. Uh, the Hobbs Eagles. They pretty known worldwide. All right. Um, uh, I want to say. If I'm not mistaken, they got 16 championships. I think three of them was back-to-back in the early 2000s. Um, so they got quite a history then. Yes, a lot of people from all over knows about uh, the Hobbs Eagle and Coach Ralph Casper. Huh. Yeah. New Mexico basketball. Yeah, all right, so, we so we, you, get, you get into high school, you do your stuff, you get to be 18. What happens after that, Randall? Um, it also happened so fast. You know, I was thought I was running the streets and wanted to run the streets at the time. You know what I mean? And um, two weeks after I turned 18, I was still in high school. Uh, I called a retaliation against the witness case because a uh, guy was going to court over my friend, but he was talking crazy to me. And we got into it. And, um, yeah, I caught that case. They tried to kick me out of school uh, where I couldn't go nowhere in Lee County. I had, I would have to either went to school in Texas or another county over. Uh, that didn't work out so well. They uh, wound up dropping it down to aggravated battery. I got to stay in school, but I couldn't play no sports. Wow. So I was probably, at that time and period of your life, I'm sure that was a big deal. Uh, yeah, I love track, but like my mind was somewhere else. Like I don't, 
my mom, my mom was somewhere else, but I had a couple uh, scouts looking, mm-hmm. and I lost it all. But at the time, like I said, I was so caught up in the streets and worried about what I'm going to do in the streets after school. It really didn't bother me at the time. Tell me about that, Randall. You know, getting caught up in the street and life, that life, what – were, were most of your friends, is that what you were drawn to because everybody was kind of doing that and that was kind of the end thing of what you want to be involved in? No, not really. Uh, well, they say we are a product of our environment. You know, I yeah. grew up in one of the tough sides of Hobbs, the east side of Hobbs, you know. And um, that's all you've seen. That's all we've that's that's all all we seen. That's all we knew at the time. You know what I mean? I mean, it's... Uh, we had people that in our hood that would tell us, hey, you need to go to school. They see us, hey, y'all, y'all get to school. It wasn't like they were trying to get us to come. Right. They were trying to get us out of there, but we wasn't listening. Right. What about your mom? What, Like your mom and your stepdad, did they know that that's where you were getting pulled into? I mean, did there was there any communication or any talk about that at the time? No, they didn't. Um, the funny thing you said that because my sister – always tells me I lived double life. They never knew half of the stuff I was doing. Yeah. You could have been an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really they thought they, they saw Randall, the guy around the house helping out being with the family and didn't really suspect anything. No. Yeah. No, not that I didn't think of. No, they did. Yeah. So the when when did you when did things start happen to where you've because you you hit you get this one case and then I know you you weren't very old when you got in were you 22, 20, 23? 22, 23, yeah yeah can you walk me through how that happened? Uh well like I said you know we all I grew up in the hood so that's how we knew we seen every day, um like like the movie show people want the the cars, the money, the women, the status, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying I was no big timer, not at all, you know what I mean? But that's what I was drawn to. I I liked it. I liked it, the excitement. Yeah. You know, um, growing up, I was fighting. I used to like to fight. I had a bad temper. I don't know why I had a bad temper. So if you even looked at me wrong sometimes, we was fighting, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what me and my crew was known for. We was known for whooping people, you know, we was known for hanging out, we was known for throwing parties, whatever, you know. Um, growing up, I looked up to my older brother. My uh, my older brother, his name is Curtis. He just barely got out last year after doing 13 years. It's a lot of time. Uh, yeah. I looked up to him. I looked up to my cousin, Boo-Boo. I looked up to my cousin, Tunt, and, of course, my grandpa and my stepdad. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandpa and my stepdad was a working man, you know, teaching us right, teaching us about family, uh, you know. But my cousin, them, they, you know, my cousin, my brother, then they was, they was all right. You know what I mean? I looked up to them. That's who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they was, like no street violent people, you know what I mean? They just, they did like we did. We hustled, you know, mm-hmm. we hustled. So, you know, little brother looking at the big brother, little, little cousin looking at the big cousin. Kind of reminds me of the story. Uh, 
Murph, Daryl Murphy was talking a few podcasts back that, you know, he, his grew up, had a great family, but he, he saw when he was part of the streets, it was, he had people he looked up to and he wanted to be big in the streets. He said, you know, he never got to where he was wanting to be, but that was, that was a, a goal of his to be the guy. And, you know, it's, it's funny how that, that world, you know, whether you're talking about legal business or illegal business, there's people in that world. You're like, Hey, I'd like to be that. That's, that's something I'd like to be. Yeah. So how uh, did you how, know, go ahead, man? I didn't mean to cut uh, you off. Know, uh, uh, sorry. I got you. We still there? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, my my grandma, and my grandpa, my mom, and my dad. They uh, when when I say dad, I mean my stepdad. Mm-hmm. They taught us right. We had to go to church every Sunday. Had to. Uh, when they had a program, Easter, Christmas, whatever, we had to do it. We had to do poems for the church, everything. We had to usher, everything. You know, they taught us right. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to do our own thing. And um, it cost us. Yeah, and I guess when you I, and I can see too, you know, there like you said, there's the there's the adrenaline rush, the the feeling that you're you're making something happen, you're having the parties, you're probably there's probably a decent amount of cash that can come with all that, and so that you get I can see easily how you get caught up in that. It, it's it's a it's a world unto itself. Yes, it is. And you're running with the people who are in it, so it doesn't feel that different. I guess the only time you feel no. different is is when you go home and you're you're like your sister said you're living a double life. I wasn't. I just knew how to hide it. Yeah, yeah. So you know. So Randall, how did uh, when 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 it went down? Uh, did they just break down the door and you were surprised about it, or did you know something was coming and you were preparing for it? How did how did the uh, the nightmare start with you? Uh, no, I didn't know nothing. The guy that set me up, I was in Odessa, Texas. Okay. Uh, the guy that set me up, normal call, like we normally do, you know, he, what he normally gets. And, um, it didn't seem, nothing didn't seem off. Nothing didn't seem off. Um, of course, in the mix of my nightmare, I actually dragged my cousin in it because he was with me at the wrong place at the wrong time, and he didn't know nothing about it. Okay, you know, yeah. Um, um, we was at the we was at normal meeting place where we normally meet. We meet normally meet at, like at the mall or something. I might go take what he need in this restroom and drop it off. And I tell him, hey, go buy me a shirt and put the money in the bag and hand me the bag. Then I'll tell you where it's at. Mm-hmm. It's normal stuff like that, you know. So it didn't seem off. But I do remember that day when me and my cousin, because he had a party supply business. And um, we went to AT&T. This is when you had to get the little chip, the USB chip to put yeah, in there for the barter. Yeah. Went to AT&T to try to 
get that for his laptop. And um, while he was talking to the lady, I told dude, I said, hey, just meet me over here at Rosa's, which is a restaurant that's right there. Um, so when we were walking out, they was already looking for a black African-American. They didn't know what I looked like. They didn't know what I looked like, nothing. The paperwork said they was looking for a black African-American, but they didn't have no identification of what I looked like. So me and my cousin walking, I actually remember the undercover lady walking by. She looked normal, normal clothing. I guess she radio and said that there was two black males walking. So we walk in this nail salon, and when I walk out, my cousin's still in it. When I walk out, they grab me, put me in handcuffs. Um, they go in there and get my cousin. He don't know what's going on. Um, so they search me. I had to. I had to dope on me. They search me three times. They didn't find it. They searched my cousin's truck. He was a felon. He, you know, he already been to prison been out of prison almost 10 years, you know, he's doing good for himself. He's a felon. Unfortunately, you know, when you, uh, when you come from the streets, you still know, hey, people still can get you or whatever. So yeah. he kept his protection on him pretty much. You know what I mean? It wasn't his protection, but it was in his truck because somebody yeah. used it. Okay. So they found the gun under the driver's seat, you know, um, put us in handcuffs, searches, searches, then an undercover lady came, searched me, found it, searched his truck, found it. If she wouldn't have came, we probably would have got away. Because they searched his truck three or four times. They searched me three or four times to find it. That lady came, found everything. So on our way, when they uh, taking us in, I kept telling them, like, hey, my cousin had nothing to do with it. He didn't have nothing to do with it. You know? I didn't know at the time that the feds already had picked up our case. Because I mean, normally time in the state, if you say, hey, this is all mine, they ain't got nothing to do with this, they normally let them go. Mm-hmm. When we're in there, we're in there, you know, everybody's seen the sad song, why did they snitch on me, or whatever. My main focus at that time was trying to figure out how to get my cousin out because he really didn't have nothing to do with it. Yeah, and he had you the know, record that was he could get easily. Yeah, he up had there. the record, but yeah. he he didn't have nothing to do with. It. Yeah. Um. So we took it to trial. I got on the stand. Said he didn't have nothing to do with it. Even the police officers got on the stand and said they were looking for one African American, not two. Mm-hmm. Um. The guy that told on me, I can't remember if they called him to stand or not, but I know he was in there. Um. Lost. They gave me 15 years, gave him, uh, was it 20 for the drugs, five for the farm, and uh, it was 35 years total. I can't remember exactly what the other one was. For your cousin? Yes, because he had oh. a prior dope case back in the night. Man, wow. Yeah. That'd take your breath away. Yes. And so, you know, both our lawyers said they're going to appeal it, which me and him started off at Beaumont together. I've heard about Beaumont. Not yeah, good. me and him started off at Beaumont together. I mean, it's like anywhere else you go, yeah. whether it's prison or the street. If you mind your business, don't get in nobody else's business and stay in your lane. You ain't got to worry about nothing. Right. 
you know, now, of course, prison, you're locked in the cage. So, you know, if a race ride jump off, you know, it's either fight or flight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we started off Beaumont together. We were there. We was in library together, fighting our case, trying to find stuff for each other, you know, stuff like that. Well, my appeal came back granted. His came back tonight. Oh, man, Randall. So like, yeah. Yes. So it kind of like took a blow, you know. I, I, to this day, I still feel like, like real bad because he, 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 uh, he was in there for something. He didn't have none to be, in, no business being in there. Wrong place, but wrong crooked, time, and being an ex-felon. Yeah, but the crooked system—they are not trying to hear. They're not trying to hear nothing. No, and you know I mean the fact that they the appeal went and it was the same case, and yours was granted and his wasn't. Yeah, um, mine was granted with the with the gun because. I wasn't the owner of the truck. I didn't have the keys in my pocket. And of course, I, I think they said I was like more than 50 feet away from the truck when right. they arrested me. Yeah. So it, uh, they, they hit us with a 924C fucking use of a drugs transaction, which is uh, they try to say you had a farm to, to take the drugs. Right. Right. So that, that knocked you down to what, 10 years from 15? Pretty much, yeah. yes, sir. Did um after after his got denied, he kept high spirits though. He kept fighting. Yeah, he kept fighting. Um, I got shipped off to Big Springs, which at the time that uh, my case manager she was like, I'm gonna put you in for this low, but normally they don't like you jumping custody. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I was looking on to jump custody because they sent me to Big Springs. And uh, I was there about seven months. So you went, and then uh, so Randall, you went from a maximum to a low. Was Big Springs a low? Yeah, okay. because yeah, because my points dropped right, so low. Right through the appeal. Okay. My age and then my uh, when the time got dropped, yes, sir. Did you see? And so uh, I went to- Randall, did you see much difference um, jumping in custody levels from a maximum to to a low? I mean, what was 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 your daily life? Um, that much different, or did it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's different. You went from a two man cell. You getting locked in at nine o'clock at night. Don't get unlocked at five or six. Mm-hmm. To a dorm where it's bunk beds everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't you don't really get locked down. You know, um, the respect level for the two different custodies was different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's no child molesters in uh, maximum. Maximum, right? You know what I mean. So it was it was a bit to adjust to because I was so used to on on the edge because you never knew what was going to happen. Right. To uh, it was kind of more relaxed. More relaxed. Working. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, well, I was there for about seven months, and then uh, I put my hands on a child molester, and they shipped me off. Okay. Where did they ship you to then? Herlong, California. Okay. Another low. Was a me- no, that was a medium. That was a medium. Okay. Yeah. Um, Herlong was pretty much like Beaumont. Okay. It was. It was no. Uh, 
No tolerance for bullshit, pretty much. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, your paper, your paperwork has to be right. Can be telling, and of course you're on the West Coast. That's gangland, mm-hmm. so you know it's a lot of gangs involved. Right. You know, uh, I was there. How did uh, how did that work, uh, Randall? I'm curious on the gang deal. When you get into a like in California, that's known for really strong gang participate participation in the in the prison system. What did you feel like that? Uh, as far as you personally, were you, were you, did you feel pressure or did you feel like you needed to be a part of a gang in that environment? Like, how did that work? No, well, I was part of a gang in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was part of a gang in the streets. So, you know, I'm part of the Crip gang. I was a uh, gangster, gangster Crip. Right. You know, so. Going in when I was in Beaumont, crazy thing is, um, when I was in Beaumont, my sister's fiance that died, his brother was there in there. He was my bunkie, and I did not know for like four months that that was uh, my sister's fiance's brother. That is Until crazy. Talk about yeah, small we world lockdown. stuff. <laughs> yeah, we went on lockdown. We went on lockdown to the riot. And, you know, we showing each other pictures and talking. And he flipped me through his photo album. I see a picture of my sister. I'm like, hey, hold on. Flip that back. And he flipped back and said, that's my sister. And he's like, Crystal, your sister? I was like, yeah. He's like, Travis is my brother. I was like, oh, shit. No shit. I'll be damned. So, yeah. So being and, part of the Crips, anywhere that you would travel to, that your people would be there to, to help kind of get you trans, trans uh, transitioned into the whatever the new world order is, I guess, at the next prison. Yeah, well, when you get when you get there, they ask you, where you from? You know, they ask you, where you from? And they'll tell you who your people is. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, like I said, I went to the dorm. It was a guy named Hawk. And I forgot the other guy's name. And uh, Angelo, which we call him Lolo. They was there. And... Uh, when I said I was from New Mexico, they pointed me to Angelo, which is my bunkie. And so he's asking me, like, where are you from, this and that. And uh, he said, do you bang? And I told him, yeah. He said, well, you can either run with us or you can run with Texas. New Mexico had a little thing going because, like I said, we at the bottom. We like state line of Texas, like five miles away from my grandma's house. So, you know, so we right at the at bottom. The so he's yeah. like, me to He's like, you can either rep New Mexico or you can rep the Crips. We're going to respect you either way as long as you don't be on no funny business. So I told him, I said, I'm from New Mexico. You know what I mean? I wasn't trying to be hard or nothing. I told him straight up, mm-hmm. I'm from Hollis, New Mexico. You know what I mean? He's like, I respect it. Yeah. Um, you know, he laced me up on what to do, how to do, how to move in there, you know, because that was my first time in prison. Yeah. And I was at the max. He laced me up. Um, now so I, 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 I guess I'm, I forgot to ask you, Randall, because it was your first time in prison and I, I know running in the gang on the streets, but you, you get into prison. What's going through your mind? Like what's your thought process of heading into prison, federal prison? You're 23. What's, what's going through it, your mind? Nothing. Cause I, 
I don't, I don't, I don't been through the worst out in the street. So, you know, I don't, I don't did it all, seen it all. So I was prepared to do whatever I had to take to survive. You know what I mean? You were going to adapt no matter what. And you'd seen so much in the streets that you weren't afraid of what you were going to see in there. No, yeah. I wasn't. You know what I mean? The only, like I said, the only thing different between the streets and prison, you, you caged in. Yeah. Right. That's the only difference. Right. You know what I mean? So when you come from, when you come from where I come from or anybody come from any hood, you know what I mean? It's not my hood anywhere, you know, you adapt. Like I said, either fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And I was always a fighter, so. Probably didn't work too bad for you there if you were a fighter. <laughs> so, so Randall, you get into uh, the medium there. You're there for a while because you told me, I think you went to four or five places, right? Yeah, after, like I said, at the Big Springs, I went to Herlong. And when I got to Herlong, my bunky Lolo was there then. In California. He there then. Yeah, he was there then. He got released from the accident. Okay. He was there then. You know, he uh, he told me, you know, he said, I already know what you're running. He said, oh, your people over here. He said, but, you know, us Chris, we got your back. As long as you don't be on the funny business and it's legit business, we got your back. Um, there, it, it, that place was really rocking and rolling when I was there. It was really rocking and rolling. You know, they, they didn't tolerate nothing from the Crips, Blood, Vice Lords, GDs, Aaron Brothers to the uh, Indians, whatever gang was there. Yeah, you know, they didn't, they didn't tolerate it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, you had to uh, be respectful of it. Everything was pretty. Even though it was a medium. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty locked down, taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you didn't see a lot of violence, maybe. Not, not too many people got out of line. No, I mean, they did. Like, um, there's a lot of Southsiders there. So when when the Northerners came, it was already, they just dropped their bags and started fighting. They didn't, sometimes they didn't even go to the union. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it was up North Cali, but. The South Side just pretty much had that yard. Yeah. So did you, yeah. uh, during all that time, did you ever spend any time in the hole? Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me a little I, about I did. that. Well, of course, when I uh, put my hands on Chamberlain, I was in the hole. He kept me in the hole like five, four or five months. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because they kept uh Were you, were you in the me. hole by yourself or did you have somebody in there with you? I was in there by myself, and then they'd bring somebody in there, and then they'd take them out, you know, so forth, so forth. Um, What'd you do in the hole? Read. Yeah. You can't really do too much in the hole. No. You know, Try not you to go insane. Yeah. All that time. Right. All that time locked down. What'd you get out, an hour a day? Uh, at Big Spring, if they wanted to come get you. If they wanted to come get you. So you could be in there the whole time. They might just decide to let you out for an hour a day if they felt like it. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, they shower. They have to come get mandatory showers Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, but, yeah, sometimes they, they wouldn't take us out for Rick all week. Were you able to communicate 
people in the hole? Where did they? Uh, they they strip my phone, strip my phone and commissaries. But they, of course, they give you a visit. Yeah. But you know. I wouldn't well, worry about no visit. Yeah, I was going to ask you, being so far away every time that you were, did you ever have visits from the outside? Yeah, when I was in the county, uh, I used to get visits almost every week. My, uh, if my if my sister, my mom didn't bring my son, it's time my son one. Yeah, one some a year or something. Uh, the fifteen year old yeah. at the time he was like one one some yeah. They, if they didn't bring him, one of my homegirls would bring him or his mom would bring him up there uh, to come see me. When I went to Beaumont, of course, I wasn't expecting a visit. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but my grandma them did go to Houston one year, and they supposed to give me, you know, that's your immediate family. Whether they're on your visitation or not, they're supposed to prove it if they there. And uh, my grandma and my grandpa tried to come see me, and they didn't let me see me. Mm-hmm. So you, so Randall, you eventually make it to Leavenworth in 2014. So how many years? How many years do you think you'd done up until you got to Leavenworth? Because you, because that's where I found you. Uh, You probably spent. You probably spent what three years? Five, six years. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So you got to Leavenworth, and what's what's your thoughts walking into Leavenworth after you've been around the world? Well, I was just like, I don't know, like I didn't, because I, I like after I left after I left her long, I went to Latuna. Mm-hmm. Latuna was a low dorms. Uh, you had like well, they had like little bunkers. It was kind of like just doorway, but you had four man cells. Uh, no door on them. You could stay out. To 12, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, going to depend on the CO. So when I when I left Latuna and went to Leavenworth, it was, I was already adapted kind of to that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Latuna, even though it was a low, Latuna, I, I've seen a couple people get stabbed with Latuna. Yeah. Yeah, Latuna was, it was a low, but. They didn't really tolerate too much. Just right there by El Paso. Uh huh. I think uh, Stroby was there in Latuna. Uh, I can't remember. I th- I could be wrong, uh, but I was thinking he was at Latuna at the low, and then he came to Leavenworth. Yeah. But okay, so you you got to Leavenworth. Um, I think I got to Leavenworth January two thousand fourteen, and you got to Leavenworth a little bit after that in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. So you're. Your thoughts going into now you're at a camp level minimum. Um, do you feel like you're and and I, I guess in your mind you get you've done that you've done most of your time now um, or the more than fifty percent of your time. Does it feel like when you get to Leavenworth at that time, Randall, that you were getting you were making headway to getting to the to the end of it? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, did you did you work in the uh, did you work in the shop uh, the the, uh, the no I was in the I was in the kitchen first and then uh I forgot guy's name he got me on we uh doing the uh, visitation floors over there at the uh, medium oh yeah I remember that you did that with yeah. uh, 
Oh God, who'd you do that with? Yeah, I yeah I do remember yeah, doing me that. Because yeah, you had Anthony you had a job you had a job Anthony that. Mark. What was it? Uh, uh, we went up there like cleaning offices, and then uh, once they seen I knew how to buff floors, they pretty much they just mainly kept me cleaning and buffing the uh both visitation rooms because they had an upstairs and downstairs visitation room. Yeah. I remember you doing yeah. that because that was such a weird thing because none of us ever went to the to the medium. I mean, the, the you know, the, we all looked at it. We saw the fence, you know, the big tall, you know, yeah. uh, brick fence, you know, all around it and all the bar and everything. And I walked past that place every day to the food warehouse, but you actually went in there every day. Yeah, yeah. totally different deal. I went in there one time when, when they had a lockdown and uh, we from the food warehouse, we had to bring the truck in there because they had the, all those, uh, what they call them, bag nasties where they, they make those little bags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we went, we went and walked that through the truck all the way through there because there wasn't any, because they were locked down. There's no help. So we walked, it was weird in there. They had all these cats running around and it, real yeah, cats. Yeah. It was a weird I, environment. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just thought the whole thing, I mean, it, it looked like, and there, there was some, there was one big building back there in the back in the yard. It had all the windows and stuff broken out of it. It looked like it had been abandoned. It was just a weird, and then everybody, there was nobody around, uh, obviously. So, cause they were all locked down. It was, it was uh, kind of creepy, kind of <laughs> creepy, but you went there all the time. You just you were buffing floors. Did you ever clean up around where the uh, warden was? Yeah, we used to go dump his trash, yeah. the sixth floor trash, and then like secretary, they like we would split up and doing shit, uh, shit like that. But like I said, after um, after I think it was the bottom visitation floor, it was pretty bad. And after I, uh, I didn't even really strip it. All I did was put darn soap on there and took a pad and cleaned up cleaned up the old wax and put new wax down. He was like, Man, I need you to do the top one. I need you to keep these ones. I need you to keep these uh these floors done. He liked it. It was uh Warden May. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he liked it clean. He used to do those weekly inspections and come through. He was he was clean, mm-hmm. clean freak. So Randall, when we're going through all this time, you know, because prison's not an easy place. How did you, how'd you handle, like, what were your main thoughts or strategies of handling hard days and getting through time? Um, you got to just block that shit out your mind. Like, uh, I think my hardest day in there. Well, every day was hard, of course, because I was away from my son and my yeah. family. But I think the hardest, hey, uh, the hardest day I think is uh when I called New Year's Eve, of, uh, two thousand uh, New Year's Day, matter of fact. And my grandma told me my grandpa passed the day before. Mm. I think that was the uh, that's when I kind of like kind of I didn't really cry nothing, but kind of like just broke down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, well, I, like what, what would you do to busy your mind to get through a day in prison? 
Like if you knew you were having, uh, this is a shitty day, what would Randall do? Their phone, their email, yep. spade, Pete Knuckle. Um, yeah. shit, I even walked the track and listened to music. When they gave when they gave me some MP3 players, that's the best thing they could have did because I love music. So yeah. when I had one of them days, pop my earphones in and I'm with you. I did a lot of walking with that MP3. Yeah. I mean that to me, I so much liked being outside and in that little rundown looking schoolhouse. Being outside and the and just walking and listening to music, that was kind of like an escape in itself. But I, I agree with you too. If you could make connection with the outside world, it felt like you were real again. You know, if yeah. you if you felt like you were really just having one of those pity party days, you know, when it seemed like it was so far out, you were going to get out. Making that connection back was was kind of touch back to reality. Yeah. Yeah. So you get you start to get close to the door, Randall. Six months to the door. What what are you, what are you thinking? Because it's been a while. Um, I don't know. It felt unreal. And then, of course, uh, what was his name? Uh, what was the the dude's name that was over the art app? Uh, Doctor Wells. Doctor Wells wanted me so bad. And so, like, after I got out of there, he made my life a living hell to the day I got it, to the day they released. Did he really? Yes. Meaning that he yeah. was trying to take your time? What, Like, what was he doing? Yeah, like, okay, because you, you know how it went in there. Oh, you yeah. Know. It's crazy. You know how it went crazy weird. You know what I mean? You know how it went in there. You know what people were doing. They hear things, this and that. So, you know, I'm slick. And I and I got a slick mouth, so you know, I'm telling him he come search me. What are you searching me for? Get your hands off me! What you searching me for? Why are you fucking with me? You know, you know how it was in there. Yeah. And, and we was in our depth. I had a slick mouth. I didn't hold my tongue for nothing. You know, and uh, he was like, "Well, he was like, we know what you're doing, and this and this and that. And you're caught." So, I think one day I forgot. What I did, I think I had my shirt untucked. Or something. I forgot what it was. It's some petty. Yeah, you something real serious. Shirt untucked. Yeah, no, I forgot what it was. And he, no, he uh, was a big he stickler kept, on that. He 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 get people yeah. down for having their shirts untucked. Yeah, I, but I forgot what it was, and uh, he was fucking. Me. I said, "Man, stop fucking with me!" And he got my job. He uh, he got my job took away over there at the uh, thing. Oh man. And he, that's when he made me come back and sit in our depth for them two weeks until I left. Mm. You sat yeah. with him? Now, he made me go back to the our depth for two weeks in that class. So ain't that, and you know that little part where you got to look like the anger part? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not for good. For my last two weeks. That's not good. Not yeah. good. So you're getting, you're getting ready to get released. You have you've been in... Randall, for a while, uh, is your mind thinking, okay, what, you know, how's it going to be when I get out? Who am I, who am I going to go live with? I mean, have you got this all locked down? (laughs) Actually, I mean, uh, no, I just, and like I said, it didn't feel real. Yeah. And when I walked out that, when I walked out, even when I got on the, uh, the, uh, the bus, 
I still don't feel it. And you're taking you know the bus I mean? all the way back to New Mexico, right? Well. On a long ride. Well, I flew in, but yeah, I flew in to spend time with my mom then. It didn't feel real until I seen my mom and my son. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm home now. What was, I mean, what was her reaction after all this time? <laughs> Actually, when I, when I was coming, she was about to head to work, and I kept telling everybody to stall her because my sister knew I was coming. My son didn't know. Yeah, and how old, how old was your son at this time? About five or so? No, he's about to be nine. Nine, okay. Yeah, he's about to be nine. And um, so they stalled her, and then I walked in. You know, she just hugged me and was crying, you know. And then... Uh, I had to feel my, good after all that time. Yeah. Yeah, my grandma, my grandma, and my son. Everybody else knew. Yeah. Um. Then um, my son's mom was bringing him over, so I went ahead in the kitchen. And then he walked in. His eyes got big like he couldn't even believe I was there. <laughs> it didn't seem real. Yeah. No. Yeah, there's nothing quite like that. You can't recreate that day where you you reconnect, get out, and you feel like so much that you had to go through, you accomplished, it's done. Now you're home. You're back with people that, you know, love you, care for you, want want good things for you. Uh, so, Randall, what was it like getting back to reentry? Does, you know, did, did it you was go, rough. Yeah. Did you go halfway house? Yeah, yeah. I had to go halfway house. Uh, this time, uh, my second son's mom, I was with her. Uh, we uh we reconnected put it that way yeah when I halfway house and um she uh she helped me a lot like, well you need that me. I mean you gotta have it's almost impossible I think Randall to get back into the world without somebody that's helping you because there's just so many things coming at you and you're in a shitty environment in a, in a halfway house. So you, you've got to have somebody to reach out to because it's so overwhelming to try to get back, you know, your foot back into society. Yeah, like she, like when I started working, like um, she would come take me, like when they get past it. Yeah. She'd take off, like, she'd take off work. Or she was going to school time. She'd leave school early, come drive off. It's like a 20-minute, 20, 25-minute drive from Midland to Odessa, probably a little less. Mm -hmm. She would drive there, come pick me up from halfway house, take where I need to go, drive me back off, go back do what she need to do. Um, when I started working, I was working right there by the halfway house, and then they made me quit that job because I was, you know, doing a little bit too much. They couldn't prove it, so they just made me quit that job. Um, then I started working at the subway. Uh, I ain't gonna say on the other side of town, but about halfway. Mm -hmm. And um, it'd be nights that uh, I missed the bus, and it'd be raining. And she's the bartender. Mm -hmm. She'd leave her job, drive there, come pick me up, take me to the halfway house, and go back to work. That's so, nice. <laughs> That's she, a good one. She helped me out a lot. Yeah. She helped me out a lot to uh, get me back in where I need to be. You know what I mean? She did. That's good. So, so what what's life now like? I mean, because I know life uh, getting out is not easy. I mean, there's there's nothing easy about 
you know, I always say people look at you and say, oh, man, you got to be so excited you're out of prison. I am so excited, but, man, it's, it's, there's a lot going on in your head and a lot that you're trying to get adjusted to back into the world. Uh, you know, you, you have your ups and downs, you know. You're up women, you're down, you're up, you're down, mm-hmm. you know. Um, getting out, I think two months after I got out to release in the halfway house, she got pregnant. Boom. Um, get a job. Well, were you living? Were you living back with your mom? No, no, no. I was with I was with my younger son's mom at the time in Odessa, okay. Texas. Okay, all right. Okay, so uh, we living there. Kind of hard for me to find a job. So she tell her boss, "Hey, let him come bar back for us um, Thursday through Saturday." And one day, I my cousin he kept telling me like, "Man, you need to get your CDL." He did like three or four years in prison. He got out, started working with my friend driving truck. Now he owned his own truck. And so he kept telling me, you need to get your CDL. I'm trying to get another truck so you can drive it. So one day I just decided, just like, fuck it. I got to do something different. I told the boss there, I said, man, I appreciate you bringing me back. Um, I hope I helped you. Uh, pick your numbers back up because that's why they brought me like they were building like one liner two liners a day I think but when I left the first time we was building up to sometimes 20 liners a day depending on the size it's a lot of work yeah and so um, quit uh, paid for my CDL school took a month did that got my CDL now I'm looking for a job. Uh, the job's here. Oil field base. I said, no, nah, I don't want nothing oil field base because I don't want to be out there you know, 14, 15 days and then only come home for three or four days. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't want that. Yeah. So I got my CDL in August. Um, I'm still job hunting. In September, I'm still job hunting. Um, my cousin that owned his truck now, he was like, I started off at Radii. I started off at Radii. So it was just crazy. I'm in Odessa one day at the gas station. see a Radii truck. So I see a guy walk out. I said, hey, man, I said, y'all hiring? He said, yeah. I said, man, I just got my CDL last month. I'm looking for a job. He said, well, I'm the district manager. He was delivering ice. He said, I'm the district manager. He said, give me your name and number. Uh, I told how about that? How about that for the right place, right time? But I, I mean, you went for the opportunity yeah. right there, Randall. That's good. Yeah. I like that story. Um, and so I was with them for about a month. You know, um, I told you my grandma caught COVID, so this whole 2021, you know, she was on an oxygen tank after that. So you know, um, all of us had to pull together and help my grandma. Yeah, you know. Um, from me coming in after work cooking for her, or, you know, cook for her and my mom, because my mom used to work overnight. Uh, from one of my cousins, Boo Boo, going to go get her medicine to whatnot, you know, we had to all pull together. So, um, the day before Halloween, yeah, the day before Halloween last year, she passed. Mm. So I was working there, and I just, just gave up, you know what I mean? To my grandma, she was everything. She was not 
not only my heart, everybody's heart, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I kind of like gave up. And um, at the time, I kept telling her she loved Coca-Cola. At the time, I'm like, I'm going to get a job with Coca-Cola. I'm trying to get the job with Coca-Cola. She's like, good, you can bring my Coke, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I got the job with Coca-Cola. And I think I told her. And like a week later, she passed. Oh, wow. Speaking of that, my well, my my brother also got out last year. I forgot to mention that my brother got out. Uh, I think around May of last year. Mm-hmm. I think maybe early because he got out halfway house in October of last year. And soon as he, my grandma went to the hospital. And we all know her as when she go to the hospital, she's gonna be back. She's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. She's working up till she was eighty five. Till she got sick. So we all know when she normally when she go to the hospital, she'll come home a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So my brother got to halfway house. He gets down, comes see her. As soon as he leaves, she passed. That's the first time he's seen her since he got locked up and he was gone 13 years. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that, that was kind of devastating. So, you know, back on, I went to Coke, working, working. Going in five, getting off at six, seven, so forth, so forth, you know. And um, they was training me, but I kept asking them, like, when uh, when y'all going to let me go out on my own and how y'all going to do it? So one day they just threw me in the truck. Well, I, you, have to follow, uh, you have to follow the truck until they get you cleared with J.J. Keller. It's the insurance company. They have to get you cleared before you can drive the actual semi. And so when I got cleared, they just threw me in the semi with, I think it was my first time was like 12 stops and um, six of them, you had to fully stop 100%. So they had to send somebody to help me. And the guy was like, the guy been there like five, six years. He was like, uh, I don't know why they gave you these, this big route. This is like a route for us. They should have gave you like an eight, mm-hmm. eight hour route. Something easier. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I kept having problems with them, with Coke. Um, and then my cousin that owned this truck, he works for a propane company. He's like, man, we're hiring. We'll get you a hazmat and come over here if you don't like Coke. I went on my day off, got my hazmat passed. He went and got my fingerprints. He got me on. That's why I've been there ever since. You like WTGP. it? You like yeah. that? Yeah. Propane. And uh, this crazy because David's gas processing is WTG fuels, but it was on. It was propane. We uh, this uh, we did the propane for the big truck to come get it. It was a yard that worked at. Now I'm driving a truck. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I could say, Randall, is you didn't waste any of your time trying to get from one place to the other and you take jobs and work long hours to get what you needed. And then it sounds like you found what you like. Yeah. You know, like they say, you, uh, you gotta love what you gotta love the job in order to like, you know what I mean? So like I said, it was, it was ups and downs and yeah, you know, but now I'm on a, I got it. Yeah. And you didn't stop. You know, that's the main thing that happens is a lot of people, especially when they get out, they get stuck 
and they they quit and that's you didn't do that you kept going and you kept trying to make something happen for yourself that felt right which is good it's really good Randall, if I was going to ask you, like, out of all this experience that you've got, because you got so much, what would be your takeaway to impart to the listeners about all that you've been through? Um, what I would say is, be yourself, no matter what, no matter what. Don't lose yourself. Be your, yeah, be yourself, no matter if you lose friends, family don't like you. Always be yourself. Um, don't try to impress nobody. Yeah. I, I try to instill that on my son a lot. Don't don't try to impress nobody. Just be yourself. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. I like um, that. Um, what I else I can say is the streets ain't what it is. Yeah, it's not, it's not what it's hyped up to be. Yeah, the money good. The women might be good. Or, Whatever, you're only gonna end up two ways. Yeah. Some people's lucky enough to escape it, but not me. It's you good stuff. I I think you know, and you've lived that life, and you know it, and you can speak to it. You know, that's that's where the credibility comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Randall, man, good stuff, man. Thank you so much for being on today. Uh, what an interesting story. You've been around the world and back. And, and now, you know, and, and what's great is you, you've got a 15 year old, you got a five year old, you got yourself in, you're working with family. Uh, you got, and I know the CDL license isn't an easy thing to get. So you got and did what you had to do to get that. So props to you, man. Good stuff. And I'm built for it tough. Yep. Built but for I, it tough. But I don't like for it. I'm built for it tough. <laughs> All right, everybody, um, getting out of here today. Uh, if you're still looking for a book, I wrote one. It's called Nightmare Success. Uh, for everybody, um, love you guys liking things, subscribing to things, leave a review uh, on Apple or wherever if you feel like it. That's always nice. Uh, and um, I really uh, appreciate you all tuning in every week. Everybody, Nightmare Success in and out. Thank you, Randall McCoy. Thank you.